Hey, what's up, everybody? It is another episode of the Snipe and Selly podcast, FTF Media's guide to anything and everything happening on the ice. I'm your host, Mark, and I am joined once again by my awesome line mates. I have Lauren and Haley with me. How are we, ladies? Doing great. No Sunday scaries here. Doing good. Just relaxing with all my animals. Yeah, Haley has... Haley's outnumbered by animals uh, at her house, so uh, she's got uh, the dogs, the cat, every everyone accounted for. Uh, at the moment, everyone seems to be calm and napping, so that uh, that's good news for Hales. Yes, I have the cat contained, so he cannot uh, ruin another Snipe and Sally recording by jumping on kitchen counters. Yeah, I mean, we like the enthusiasm. You know, uh, we, we are, of course, we have multiple mascots uh, between Roxy and, uh, and, and Roscoe and Pepper. And uh, Rivers never really made an appearance. But, uh, you know, as long as Simon keeps contained, uh, you know, we, uh, we appreciate his enthusiasm. Um, but stay tuned over the next hour or so to hear our thoughts on what's been going on around the National Hockey League and the hockey world as a whole since the last time we all got together. And so, without further delay, let's drop the puck for our opening face-off. And I want to start, uh, you know, with my line mates here and just see if they have any, you know, thoughts to, uh, to open up our episode. So, Lauren, uh, how about you? Do you have an opening face-off? Any, uh, anything you want to you know, get, uh, get off your chest this, uh, this afternoon? Yeah, I have two uh, very quick ones. Uh, first, I just want to shout out my fiancé, Derek, for literally taking down a wall in our house today. Um, we're not handy people to say the least. Like we are sports media people through and through. We don't know how to really do much in a home that needs a lot of fixing. Um, and he took down a whole wall to open up our living room. So kudos to him and kudos to him for dealing with me, just kind of staring and be like, can I help? And not really doing anything. So shout out to, to Derek there. And then my second one is I really need fans of NHL fans to stop gatekeeping who the Bruins are rooting for in this Bruins fans are rooting for in the Stanley cup final, because Bruins fans are in the worst situation right now. You have a sort of likable Montreal Canadiens team where they have the underdog story. And it's kind of funny because they probably shouldn't have even made the playoffs. Um, they beat Vegas, one of the top two NHL teams right there. And now they're going into the Stanley cup final against a Tampa Bay team that manipulated the cap so hard. They're nearly $20 million over and that, Obviously, they beat the Bruins last year to go on to eventually win the Stanley Cup. It's just a terrible situation for Bruins fans to be in. But to be like, they shouldn't be rooting for this team. They shouldn't be rooting for that team. It's like, oh, my God, who cares? Like, it's a game at the end of the day. Let people just watch the sport or just don't watch it, whatever. But people are just getting so mad online about it. And it's just like, what? Tell me how it impacts your life and why it's so negative for you. And then maybe I'll understand. Yeah, the gatekeeping is very odd. Uh, I, I don't understand it whatsoever. Um, me personally, and we will uh, you know, touch on this, I'm, I'm sure, as we get into our Stanley Cup uh, preview. This is the Stanley Cup final preview episode of Snipe and Selly. Um, I personally, I am pulling for Tampa Bay. And uh, that is not something that I do lightly. It's something that it makes me feel dirty doing. because How dare uh, you? <laughs> because as you mentioned, Lauren, uh, they are a more recent rival of the Bruins and a team that is despised really, you know, by 30 other fan bases, soon to be 31 other fan bases because of what they've been allowed to get away with, with the cap manipulation uh, and, you know, being able to have, you know, naturally more talent on their roster as a result uh, to you know, try and, and repeat. But 
I just, I am born with that natural hatred for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, just seeing that logo makes my blood boil a little bit. That being said, I totally understand why uh, definitely some younger Bruins fans might not have that hatred for Montreal uh, or just, you know, in just in general, like, oh, well, they, you know, they haven't played in the playoffs in like seven years. You know, it's not as much of a rivalry to, to them. Totally get it. And also Carey Price is awesome. Cole Caulfield is really fun. I could see people being like, yeah, this is a cool scrappy underdog despite, you know, th- their history. And, uh, and I want to pull for them over the big bad lightning. I totally get it. I disagree with it, but I'm not going to, like you said, Lauren, it's not my place, nor is it anyone else's to be like, no, you need to be uh, uh, pulling for Tampa. How dare you root for Montreal? No, Montreal, you know, I could see a lot of people not named Bruins or Maple Leafs fans uh, pulling for Montreal in this series, to be honest. So totally, totally agree with you. Hales, how about yourself? Uh, do you have an empty, or not an empty netter, I'm sorry, an opening face-off for us. I'm getting ahead of myself. You're uh, like, hoping... that's it. Over. <laughs> that's that's the that. show, everybody. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, you know, I don't know how many people are following the Olympic trials too much or if they just watch the Olympics. But for me, a big thing is the women's soccer team, our international, our USA women's team. And they finally named the roster for it, which is a lot smaller than the World Cup roster. So it was pretty interesting because there's a lot of players who made the roster who are older, who have made the Olympic team three, four times now. And I just think that's really cool. I think it's really fun to see when, you know, we grew up in a world where they tell us when athletes hit like their 30s, that's it. It's all downhill. They're not going to be good when they get older. And you have Carly Lloyd, who's my favorite player on the women's team, 38 years old and still killing it in her fourth Olympic, which will be going into her fourth one. So I feel like it's pretty impressive. And I just gives hope to players too in the future in any sport that, you know, as long as you don't have really bad injuries, which can unfortunately end careers pretty fast or a lot sooner than they want to, that age is just kind of a number nowadays. So I am really excited to watch this team play. It's a lot of names that you've heard before, or at least you heard in the last World Cup. Yeah, I'm starting to get Olympic fever in general uh, for uh, for yeah. all the uh, for all the different sports. I'm still convinced. I know that he's he's not going to. I'm convinced that Michael Phelps would have been able to make the Olympic team if he tried again. Uh, I know that he's retired now, but I'm convinced he's just a freak of nature. Like everyone thought he was too old last time. Like I think that he could have. Uh, I think he could have made, made the team if he tried. Uh, well, and I'm, I don't know if you heard, Mark, but he actually helped train his, um, the guy that was like his rival for a really long time in the Olympics, like on the American team, but like always close to beating him. And I cannot remember his name right now, but for this Olympic trials, he helped that guy. Not Ryan Lochte, like some, someone else. I, it- I will look it up in the process and I'll bring it back up in the empty netters, but he, he helped somebody that was like pretty much his go-to. I have to beat you every time to help make the team this year. So I'll look it up for you. Yeah. Cause Lochte was that guy for, for a while, but he's like a huge douche. So I kind of hope that he doesn't, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I hope that he wasn't helping Ryan Lochte, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, but I mean, I'm, I'm just ready. I'm ready for the Simone Biles show. Uh, I'm, I'm ready for, USA to take home a bunch of gold. Is Katie Ledecky season coming up? Uh, you know, the, 
the uh, yeah, there's a lot of awesome. Uh, the Summer Olympics is, are, are great. I actually prefer the Winter Olympics uh, because you know this is a hockey podcast. I'm a huge hockey fan, so I, I love uh, the, the cold sports. I love uh, I love curling uh, come Olympic time, uh, in addition to hockey and uh, and you know, snowboarding and skiing. But uh, I, I do like the Summer Olympics as well. But as for me, for my uh, my opening face off, I just wanted to uh, once again uh, thank both my line mates, uh, Lauren and Haley, as well as our special guest Gabby, um, who hosts True Crime and Chill here on FTF Media, uh, for joining me for uh, a few nights ago on our, our special edition. Um, you know, we if anyone missed it, we did do an episode completely devoted um, to the current story surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks, and we will touch on that in a little bit uh, in our new segment uh, because uh, it's quite frustrating that this story really is not being covered by most of the, uh, you know, very prominent uh, NHL uh, um, reporting outlets and, uh, and the league in general seems to not be doing much about it. And so we'll, we'll kind of circle back to that story a little bit, but if you have not listened uh, to that uh, episode that we did specifically about the Chicago Blackhawks, um, uh, you know, sexual assault allegations um, and the, you know, the complaints uh, from back in the 2010 postseason. Uh, give, we'd appreciate it if you give it a listen. We think it's important to talk uh, talk about. So that's uh, you know, that's my opening thoughts. Um, but as we mentioned, this is the Stanley Cup final preview episode of Snipe and Sully. So we're going to do a lot of talk uh, previewing the Lightning and Canadian series. But before that, we do want to uh, discuss some really interesting news topics, some, some stuff that has been you know, going around the league since the last time we all got together. And one of the more fresh stories has to do with a team that, you know, I'm going to be honest, I think all three of us on this pod were, were was pulling for, um, as they, they were kind of seen as the, the, you know, the lesser of all eagle, uh, lesser of all evils. And, uh, that was the Las Vegas golden Knights who, as with everyone else who's faced uh, Montreal this postseason, seemed to come up short. And so the Las Vegas golden Knights, they have a really interesting off season coming up and there's a lot of news kind of trickling out, you know, the, as Lauren always covers for the Bruins breakup day, uh, you know, you, you hear things coming out of breakup day for Vegas, um, you know, uh, apparently Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury are BFFs now, um, and Leonard and Fleury want to stay together for that reason. Uh, obviously, Leonard has four more years on his contract, but Marc-Andre Fleury only has one year remaining on his. Apparently, Marc-Andre Fleury's daughter uh, made a nice a nice portrait for Robin Leonard before uh, uh, game six of the uh, the Canadian series. Uh, to try and wish him luck. But, um, you know, one of the stories is that those two want to stay together, but, you know, that's $12 million worth of cap space devoted to the goaltender position. They got away with it this year, but as it currently stands, Vegas is going to have less than 4 million in cap space going into next year. They're going to make some tough decisions. Uh, you know, they have players who are going to be free agents, one of them being Alec Martinez, who we found out was playing the majority, if not the entire postseason with a broken foot. I mean, that's unbelievably difficult uh, just in general, but also as a defenseman because defensemen, unlike forwards, they're skating backwards half the time as well. Uh, and skating backwards can be uh, a little bit more stressful on your feet. So, uh, you know, Alec Martinez was playing the majority of this postseason with a broken foot. That's amazing. But Vegas is one of these teams where uh, you know, they, they seem like they've had kind of a charmed existence these first four seasons. Uh, you know, they, they, they made a cup final. It looked like they were going to get back to another they fell short, but now everyone's suddenly talking about them being a player for Jack Eichel's services um, and trying to move some players for that. So 
there are going to be some tough decisions ahead for Vegas. Um, and as, uh, as it currently stands, I mean, they have, uh, you know, just listing off some cap hits here. Mark Stone, a $9.5 million cap hit. Alex Petrangelo, who they just signed back in October, $8.8 million cap hit. The aforementioned Marc-Andre Fleury at $7 million. Uh, Max Pacioretty, also $7 million. William Carlson at 5.9. Shea Theodore at 5.2. Robin Leonard at 5. Jonathan Marcheseau, also at 5. Riley Smith, also at 5. I mean, they have some huge cap hits on this roster, and it seems like they have very little flexibility to make any changes, make any improvements. So, Lauren, I want to start with you. What do you foresee for Vegas here in this offseason? You know, obviously we just mentioned they want to be in the running for a Jack Eichel trade. Uh, you know, what do you think they can do? Do you think that it's likely that, again, with one year left in his deal, despite his desire to stay in Vegas, that Marc-Andre Fleury is kind of a, a prime target to be moved? I think so, because – I think they can only protect one goalie for the expansion draft too, I believe. So that's a decision they'll have to make there. And obviously no matter which way you swing it, like just say, say a team picks one of the goalies, you're freeing up cap space there. So, you know, there's some flexibility there. Like you said, they got away with it this year. I just felt like they always, they have like endless money. I was like, where are they getting all this money? Um, and that's what's made them such, such a, such a strong team the last two seasons. But I think that's going to come to an end pretty soon. I think they're going to kind of get hit with reality and it's going to all catch up to them that they're not going to be able to have all these players, all these, you know, strong caliber players and be able to continue to get to the playoffs. Um, obviously they've made it very far and they've been, I don't like they haven't really manipulated anything, but now it's, they're coming up against the cap and it's like, we have to make decisions. Like, do we have to move on from somebody important to bring in Jack Eichel like does bringing in Jack Eichel better your team if you're getting rid of already strong players um and people were kind of saying this with, with the Bruins like you don't the Bruins don't get better because if, if you bring in just Jack Eichel because you'll have to give up somebody who already makes that team so good and I feel like Vegas is kind of in that spot too and I I mean it's kind of a lose-lose for them because I feel like they're in such a tight money situation I can't really do a whole lot but somebody like Jack Eichel who wouldn't want to bring Jack Eichel onto their team. And I'm sure they'll try. I'm sure they'll try to make stuff work. But I think that a lot of people are going to be either taking some sort of pay cut, some sort of like uh, contract negotiation there, like try to structure it a little differently. But they got a lot, a lot of questions going into the season and the expansion draft alone, just like basically what's going to happen. And they have a lot of tough decisions to make, and it might not be like they may not be this good team next year. You brought up a lot of things that I want to touch on. Uh, n- number one, first and foremost, the expansion draft. Uh, just a, a friendly reminder to all of our listeners: we are uh, that's probably going to be our first Snipe and Selly live stream event. Uh, I think we're going to do a stream for the expansion draft. I'm very much looking forward to that uh, next month. So. Uh, if you're listening right now, you know, be on the lookout. We'll probably tweet out some details. Um, we'll, we'll tell you on, on uh, episode as we get closer as well. But, uh, you know, that's going to be um, that's going to be a lot of fun. I, I really am looking forward to the expansion draft just to see the way that the Kraken make up their roster. Um, but the notion of Marc-Andre Fleury being picked in the expansion draft for the second time in four years, that 
that would be absolutely hysterical. It's like, well, obviously they're going to protect Robin Leonard if, if you're the Golden Knights because he's got four more years uh, at a, a manageable cap hit for um, you know for an upper echelon goaltender, whereas Flurry's only got one year left in his deal. So you know he's going to he's going to be the one exposed. I didn't even think of that. I was thinking you know as a trade target, uh, it would actually be very funny if the you know the Kraken are like, hey. Yeah, we'll take this guy, uh, you know, on a one-year deal, even at a higher cap hit. You know, they obviously have $81.5 million of cap space because they don't have any players yet. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if he goes in the expansion draft for the second time in in, uh, in four years. But just, yeah, the, the, the fact that the blueprint is there for them, if they want to pull a Tampa Bay and just say, hey, Mark Stone, we're going to uh, – you're going to tweak a hamstring. It's going to be very bad, uh, quote unquote, and you're going to go on long-term injured reserve for, uh, for the entire season. And, uh, and then we'll bring, bring you back in the playoffs. They can save almost 10 million in cap space that way. I wonder, not every team can get away with that the way that uh, Tampa Bay did. And, and obviously the having the shortened season uh, definitely helped, uh, you know, make sure that they qualified for the playoffs, but you, you almost have to wonder if if Vegas, uh, you know, they get tempted to uh, to exploit. Um, I don't think they will. It's that you know. I'm, I'm, now that I'm thinking of it, that, that'd be dumb. But uh, it's. I'm just saying it's there. But that's the. That's very much the opinion among people who are cover the league that Vegas really needs a first line center. Like they really don't have a a pure first line center. They they kind of have a couple you know guys who you'd classify as, as second line centers. So. Uh, picking up Eichel would certainly help, but again, who are you moving to do that? Uh, are you just kind of, are, are you really making yourself that much better if you have to sacrifice, uh, you know, a lot of depth pieces? Uh, Buffalo's, you know, despite the writing on the wall, I don't think Buffalo's going to give him away. And I think because you have so many suitors for Eichel, you're going to have a competitive offer. So Vegas would have to give up quite a bit. I just, yeah, I think that this is going to be, you know, everyone was kind of bent out of shape that Vegas doesn't have to, uh, Oh, that's right. That's why I didn't think of, uh, of Marc-Andre Fleury going to Seattle. Vegas does not have to expose any players to the expansion draft. That's why I didn't think that's of it. Right. That's, oh, I totally forgot about that. So did I. Like, I was just thinking, I'm like, oh, that's right. They don't have that because everyone was bent out of shape because they don't have to expose any players. Um, that's, uh, yeah, so, so that's, people are, are kind of getting agitated over that. It's like, you know, these guys, uh, it, it seems like they have unlimited uh, sal- salary cap uh, space. Uh, they don't have to expose any players to, to the ex- uh, expansion draft. Like, why are you coddling these guys? So uh, it's very possible that, you know, the the gravy train is kind of up here because, you know, they're going to have to find ways to create cap space. And even if it's not going to be via the expansion draft, you have to think that, you know, maybe they, they attach – picks to, um, uh, to Marc-Andre Fleury that, you know, they, they move him somewhere. Um, you know, even if they don't have to expose him in the expansion draft, maybe Seattle's interested and, and, uh, and, you know, they, uh, they, they deal him there. So it, it bears watching, but, you know, Alec Martinez, as we mentioned before, playing with a broken foot, that's a guy who's going to be very highly sought after on the free agent market. I just don't think Vegas is going to have the means to bring him back. I don't. So it's, it's, it's going to bear watching Haley. I want to go to you. Um, you know, Vegas is a team that, as all of our listeners know, you've expressed, you're not very fond of mainly because of the <laughs> alternate jerseys and the gold Chrome helmets. Um, do you think this, you know, just because of how tight, uh, you know, they are with, with the salary cap. And I know that you're not a huge follower of free agency, but uh, you know, just kind of with the knowledge that they, you know, this team is 
has less than $4 million in, in cap space. They don't have uh, a lot of flexibility to add players. They might have to move some away. You think that this could represent them, uh, you know, signify them maybe taking a step back next year? I think it definitely could. And then I think it would be hilarious if they did have to um, give up a player to Seattle and it was blurry, but unfortunately we can't um, laugh about that since they don't have to. I just think that would be funny. Like, here, you got picked up. We're stealing you to come here. Oh, wait, no, you're getting stolen to go here now. Just kidding. We don't know what team you're going to play for anymore. But, um, you know, I really – I just don't follow free agency enough to know, I guess, the logistics of what you should do. But it does seem like they need to do something. You can't just leave it as is. You have to figure something out because that's a lot of money – going to not a whole lot of players and yeah they might be who you think your top players are but you didn't make it to the stanley cup finals with them and you don't have money so you got to figure it out and that could potentially mean them not doing as well next year as well yeah because i mean they're, they're very top heavy in terms of how they allocate their cap space they have a lot of their cap space tied into uh really you know their their, their top uh defensive pairing uh and their their top two lines and the reason why they lost to Montreal is, you know, kind of a lack of depth. And, uh, and so, you know, if you can't find inexpensive ways to, uh, to fill up the bottom half of your roster, this is going to keep happening to you over and over. And, uh, you know, a team like Vegas, it just, it seems like you know, they, they don't have the flexibility to add that they, that they did before. And, you know, I, I don't, I, I guess hindsight is 2020, but, you know, was Alex Petrangelo the right move for you, uh, you know, committing almost $9 million to, uh, uh, you know, to your blue line when, you know, you had very capable players back there. Um, and uh, it just, it seems like that, I didn't quite get that at the time. It seemed like it was, uh, you know, not, again, not to say that Petrangelo is not a fantastic player. He is. I just, you know, do you want to commit almost 9 million in cap space to, to one guy, or do you want to, you know, try and, and find three guys to, they, they can help you for that, that amount of money. So it's just, it seems like they're in a bit of a bind now. And, uh, I think Alec Martinez is going to be very highly sought after. I don't think that there's a shot in hell that he ends up back in Vegas. Um, I would love for a team like Boston to, uh, to be in on Alec Martinez potentially, um, you know, that, that, that would definitely please me. But I, if I had to, you know, sit here right now, as we record on June 27th, I'd have to say that Marc-Andre Fleury, despite his desire to stay in Vegas, I think that he has moved. I think that they're going to, need to find a way to free up some space. Uh, and, you know, tw again, 12 million is just a lot of money to commit to the goaltender position over two players. Uh, so I think that they find a way to move him. Um, you know, there's going to, again, there's going to be a lot of teams who want a veteran goaltender, uh, you know, it, whether it's, you know, a, a full 7 million uh, for one year, or if, uh, if maybe they, they send uh, some money back or Vegas retains half of his, his cap hit, you know, one year for like three or 4 million, that would be uh, something that a lot of teams would love to have Marc-Andre Fleury for essentially like, you know, $3 million, $4 million. So I, I think ultimately he's moved uh, and as Vegas looks to find ways to manipulate the cap, but we'll have to see how it, uh, how it works out again. I just, I, I think they're in a little bit of a bind, um, but moving on to a team that we were just talking about a little bit, and that is the expansion Seattle Kraken. Since the last time we all got together, they finally have a head coach. This is a bit awkward because I did kind of stump for myself on Twitter, uh, you, know, de de you know, declared my interest in the position. I was not even interviewed to be the, the Seattle Kraken head coach. 
I'd be offended, but you know, life's too short to get to hold grudges. So I'm not going to hold a grudge against the Kraken, but they do have a head coach uh, and that is Dave Haxtell, uh, who was hired uh, just this past week as the first head coach in Seattle Kraken history. And this was a puzzler to a lot of people. N not many people who were kind of, uh, you know, following the Kraken head coach search uh, or, you know, were kind of making informed guesses uh, thought that Dave Haxtell was a serious candidate um, for, for the job. So, um, you know, there were a lot of, uh, you know, Rick Tockett was a name that was tossed around quite a bit. A lot of people thought he was the favorite uh, former Arizona Coyotes coach. Um, the recently dismissed David Quinn, uh, who coached the Rangers. Uh, many people thought he did a good job there, despite being uh, dismissed by the Rangers. Uh, I know that um, interim Buffalo Sabres coach Don Granado uh, was, was considered as well. Um, Boston Bruins assistant coach Joe Sacco, and then Gerard Gallant, who wound up uh, taking the, the Rangers job. Uh, those were all names that have been thrown around. But at the end of the day, Seattle goes with Dave Haxtell, who um, his initial hire by the Flyers uh, a, a few years ago was considered kind of out there because he had coached in the NCAA for a long time. He had coached at the University of North Dakota, um, and uh, he was the first head coach to jump from NCAA hockey to the NHL in more than 30 years. And the results there were kind of mixed. And obviously head coaches kind of get recycled across the NHL quite a bit. We see it in Montreal, uh, you know, we see it everywhere. Uh, you know, uh, coaches often get a second, even third opportunities uh, in, in the NHL. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a reality. So seeing Dave Haxwell get another job does not surprise me, but getting this one, I thought that Seattle uh, this seems like a little bit of uh, out of left field hire. Apparently he really won over uh, general manager, Ron Francis with his attention to detail. Um, and, uh, and he, he had a lot of ideas uh, for how, how the Kraken could get off to a good start, which is interesting because we don't have a roster yet. You literally don't know who, what players you're going to be coaching. So I'd love to know what exactly those principles and concepts were. Um, but at the end of the day, he was the selection. Uh, and so again, it was a bit of a puzzler, but you know, we'll have to see what, how it goes in Seattle. So Lauren, you know, what did you think when you saw the, uh, you know, the news that Dave Haxtell was the guy? I, again, it just seemed like it was out, uh, out there for a lot of people. Yeah, I was surprised by it because I thought there were better candidates, I guess you could say. And he was probably like last on my list that I would think to get hired by the Kraken. He hasn't had a whole lot of success recently um, with Toronto and like being on their defensive core there and working with the defensive players. And like you said, like you don't know the players that you're coaching. Um, you don't know if he's going to be a good fit. And I'm sure they'll find out, you know, relatively quickly, but um, he was the last, like I said, the last person that I expected to be hired. I thought they were, I don't want to say more qualified candidates because I didn't do any of this interviewing. I don't, you know, I, I don't have the resumes of the others in my hand, but I think that, I don't know if the Kraken just wanted to hire a coach quickly. I don't know if they rushed their process, but I just feel like this was, I'm not going to call it a mistake because they haven't even played an NHL game yet, but this, this has the potential to just have disaster written all over it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely odd. Uh, and, you know, coaches do learn from experiences. And apparently Haxtell said that he learned from ex his experience in Philly. 
And so, you know, maybe he's a different guy now. Uh, and, you know, maybe he has some, uh, some, some different principles. Uh, you know, again, like I said, we, we see head coaches recycled across the NHL all the time. Uh, you know, many people who are behind the bench right now have been two, three different places. Um, so, you know, going to our resident Flyers fan on the podcast in Haley, um, you know, you know, Dave Haxtell's record in Haley, uh, record Haley in Philly was, uh, you know, a little up and down his first year. Uh, you know, it was very good. They went 41, uh, 27 and 14, 96 points. His second year, 39, 33 and 10. Uh, you know, it, it was a bit of a down year followed by a, a better season in 2017, 18. And then uh, in the 2018-19 season, he was fired 31 games into the season as the team was uh, you know, about seven games below 500. Uh, so it was very much up and down for him in Philly. You know, what about those Flyers teams from a few years ago? Do you, uh, do you remember? Uh, and, you know, do you think that uh, you know, he could have learned something uh, in, his, uh, you know, in his time since then, kind of reflecting on what he did in Philly? Philly has not been that great for a really long time. Not going to lie. Love them so much, but they don't give me a whole lot of hope when it comes to, you know, going to the Stanley Cup finals and being able to get a Stanley Cup anytime soon. Um, had a little bit of glimmer of hope in the bubble, but that was after him. So I don't really remember him, if that says enough, as a coach. Um, I don't think that the team's the team itself was that great during those years. Obviously, it was up and down, like you said, but that doesn't mean that they went very far either. They didn't obviously didn't get a Stanley cup. So I think that no matter what, like if you have a positive or negative experience with a team, you're going to learn something from it. Is that going to make you a better coach? I don't know. It depends on what you use that experience for and how you can turn it into something better. If it was a negative experience, you can see what you did wrong, but you also have to be able to know how to fix it. And you're getting a brand new team that doesn't have any players yet that are going to be pretty incredible players because you're, you know, I say stealing, but taking them from other teams and they're going to be pretty decent players at least, if not bigger names that we know of, depending on who the team choose to protect. So it, it's going to be interesting. I don't, I don't know if they'll have success right away though. I don't know if it'll be another Vegas based on this decision. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, again, the way that expansion drafts work in other sports, you know, you usually wind up with a lot of younger players, um, you know, players who are kind of cast off from other teams. Uh, and so bringing in someone like Hackstall, who's very used to working with young players, uh, you, know, you know, college age players, um, you know, could be a benefit, you know, that's, that's probably why they were, uh, you know, they had some conversations with David Quinn, uh, you know, someone who, uh, you know, worked with young players, but when, as we already covered the expansion draft in the NHL is, is different because, you know, you could be getting some young players, uh, you know, players who don't make, uh, you know, very much money, uh, but you also could be getting a lot of high priced veterans. So that approach might not necessarily work. Maybe they're looking for someone again, who's done both. Maybe that's why they talked to Quinn. And that's where they hired Haxtell, someone who has experience working with younger players who could work with, uh, you know, some of those guys on the bottom half of the roster, young guys, um, and also has experience coaching at the NHL level. So, you know, he has the experience working with veterans. Maybe that's why they did it. Um, but it's never a good sign. Uh, and this happens from time to time where you're like, 
you know, you, you have a favorite team and you're like, oh yeah, that guy coached here. Like if he doesn't make an impression on you, because we know Philly fans uh, like Haley, they love to you know throw batteries at people and uh, and, and you know th- throw snowballs at Santa Claus. Uh, so I'm like, you know, don't don't group me in on the people throwing <laughs> things. Though I don't agree with that. I'm not that fan. We'll talk about uh, fans who do stuff like that in a little bit. That's a nice uh, you know segue for us. But um, you know Philly fans love to hate. So if Haxtell was just completely forgettable for that fan for members of that fan base not a great sign like either be so bad that they hate you or be you know be very good but they still hate you for some reason because it's philly uh but uh you know so if he's kind of you know very forgettable and unremarkable not a great sign uh you know you see that every once in a while where it's like oh yeah that guy coached for the bruins i kind of do that with the one season that dave lewis with his weird mustache uh, coached the bruins like oh yeah that's right that team was just so forgettable and one of my least favorite Bruins teams ever. That guy was awful. Um, but you, you, you forget sometimes. But, yeah, Hackstall's time in Philly was not great. Again, very up and down. They had a, a couple of solid seasons, then a couple of years where they were just, you know, completely out of the playoff picture. So, yeah, we'll have to see how it works out for him. But I just – I was very surprised by that hire. I, it seemed like Rick Tockett had that job kind of locked up. Um, and uh, – I wonder if Gerard Gallant was there uh, was actually their first choice, but he signed the deal with the Rangers, um, but you know, before they could uh, get him locked in, and uh, you know they, they went to Plan B or Plan C. I don't know, um, but yeah, we'll have to see what happens because uh, you know it's you have to hire a head coach before you fill out your roster in this case, but it's kind of weird when you, you pick up a, a coach coach going to bring a certain style. And then depending on how the expansion draft and trades and free agency go, uh, like does, does the roster that you have actually fit that coach's style? So it, it, it provides a challenge now to Ron Francis where you need to build a team that, uh, that fits the style of, uh, of, you know, of your new head coach. So we'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see how it works. But I wanted to uh, move on to our final news topic. And again, it's a little bit of a callback uh, to our special episode that, uh, that we did earlier this week. Uh, again, please uh, give it a listen. It's uh, you know, a little over an hour in length. Um, and it's all about the Chicago Blackhawks, um, the, the allegations that have stemmed from uh, their 2010 Stanley Cup run, uh, where two players who have not been identified for privacy reasons have uh, stated that they were uh, sexually assaulted um, by a former video coach by the name of Brad Aldrich. And the reason why uh, I'm kind of bringing this up again is basically you have a little bit of more news trickling out since the time we recorded, and the stories are kind of conflicting. Um, you have um, current Montreal Canadiens general manager and, uh, and former director of, uh, of player personnel, uh, Mark Bergevin, who said that, um, you know, that, oh yeah, uh, that I had, I was not part of any meeting, uh, you know, that rumored meeting um, among Blackhawks brass. Uh, I was completely unaware of this story, had no idea what was going on, Um, you know, kind of uh, basically kind of putting his head in the sand and saying, I had no idea any of this was going on. Uh, I'm getting ready to have my team play in the Stanley Cup finals. Don't ask me about it. Meanwhile, you have former Blackhawks coach, uh, assistant coach, uh, John uh, Torchetti, who said, yeah, this was kind of like the worst kept secret. Everyone amongst the team, players, uh, front office, like, uh, you know, people who, who uh, you know, like, like arena services people, like everyone inside the organization uh, knew about this alleged sexual assault, uh, which is just an, again, awful look for 
the team kind of an awful look for Mark Bergevin in retrospect, where, you know, you have someone saying, yeah, listen, uh, you know, Mark Bergevin probably knew, uh, everyone knew about uh, you know, these, these allegations. And as we sit here again, recording on June 27th, the NHL is doing nothing about this. There has been no investigation opened. Um, you know, it, it, this is a story that should be very big news. And for some reason, it is still just not being covered uh, with the exception of some very intrepid reporters, uh, some people for The Athletic, um, you know, some people for, uh, for ESPN. But for the most part, we are seeing this story not picked up. And, uh, and you know, it, it looks like people are just trying to, yeah, well, you know, it, it, oh, it, shucks, it's bad that that happened, but let's move on. We got the Stanley Cup finals. Like, no, this, this should be very prevalent, despite the fact that you have a series starting up. So not great that, um, that you have uh, these conflicting reports out. And it's just a bad look for the NHL in general that they're not looking into this whatsoever. There's no investigation um, being opened up. I mean, there was a, a whole commission appointed um, when the Devils uh, you know, may have uh, done something sketchy with Ilya Kovalchuk's contract back in the day, and, uh, and they voided his whole contract, and that was worthy of the NHL's time. But uh, sexual assault uh, against you know, former players by a, a team staffer, that was not, that's not worthy investigating. So I, it's just, it, it's mystifying to me. And, uh, and so I wanted to go to both of my line mates here um, who were on that episode. Again, please go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. Share it with, uh, with anyone who may not be familiar with this Blackhawks story. Um, but uh, Lauren, you know, what are your thoughts on the fact that, again, you know, just in the time since uh, we recorded, uh, you know, more information's coming to light and it just seemed like the NHL is just like, yeah, sorry, nothing to see here. I don't know what's worse, that more details keep coming out about this, that it was like the worst kept secret, or that the NHL is just staying completely silent on it. Um, I think the silence speaks volumes from both the team, the league, and, you know, I honestly didn't expect Bergevin to say anything other than I wasn't aware of it. I don't think anybody's going to come out and be like, yeah, yeah, we knew, yep, I mean, well, in a, you know, an active role trying to get ready for the Stanley Cup final. And that's a huge quote unquote distraction, but it still needs to be talked about because it's of the serious nature of the allegations. Um, I just don't, I just don't understand how you can know this information, how everyone can know this information and it just gets swept under the rug. It just gets ignored. And I said it, you know, so much on our last episode, but you know, these players mental health, like what, what did that do for them in the long term? Are they still playing? Are they, did they, did their career get cut short? Like how often was this going on? And if everyone really did know, why, why, like, why wasn't it brought up in 2010? Why wasn't it brought to the proper authorities or anything like that? There's so many questions and the lack of coverage on it is also really, I don't want to say shocking, but like deafening because it's just, I mean, props to the people who are asking those questions. They're not easy questions to ask. They're probably very uncomfortable questions to ask. But just the lack of national coverage, the lack of national coverage from these big name writers that people look up to, that people go to for all their information, just staying silent. And, you know, for whatever reason, who knows? But I think there's enough facts out there and enough reports out there that it can be continually reported on and talked about. And I know it's the Stanley Cup final. I know it's they're, we're getting ready for the NHL's biggest games. But this is not a story of just like, 
oh, the Tampa Bay Lightning manipulated the salary cap. Like this, these are very serious allegations, and these this is a very serious story that I truly don't understand how it can just go unnoticed. Essentially, um, it's it's kind of disheartening and disappointing because I love the NHL. I cover the NHL. Um, I grew up watching the NHL and the Blackhawks were a very likable franchise for a very long time. You, you wanted to see them succeed and you wanted that, you know, that dynasty was a lot of fun to watch and to think back of everything that was happening during that Stanley Cup year, you're like, was it even worth it? Like, was keeping this a secret or keep like not telling pe- the proper people, was it worth it? Because now 10 years later, here we are and it's, it should be dominating the news cycle and it's not. And I still think we're far from done. I think there's still going to be plenty more to come out from this, which is scary to say. But I think, unfortunately, I think once the Stanley Cup is done too, I think that there will be a focus on this specific story. But the league needs to say something. The Blackhawks need to say something because now it's, you know, it's not just, oh, like it was an open secret. It's like everybody on that team supposedly knew. This needs to be addressed. And for it to not, it just what does that say about what the league thinks about sexual assault and all and serious allegations? So I could go on about this for hours. It's just so frustrating that I feel like every day there's something new and I'm not learning about it from, you know, Elliot Friedman or someone like that. It's just, it's so frustrating to see the lack of coverage and, you know, like the lack of respect for victims of all sexual assault, not just these players, but you know, this is, this is serious. This is part of the reason why people don't come forward. Absolutely. Absolutely. So well said. And again, this is why we decided that it was necessary to devote an entire episode uh, to this story. And, um, you know, it's just, it's just baffling that it's not being talked about more. And uh, like you said, Lauren, just the, the lack of, of respect for, for survivors, for victims uh, is just, it's sickening. And the fact that we're now learning that not only again, did the Blackhawks do nothing about this, they apparently provided Brad Aldrich with like a, a glowing endorsement um, uh, that helped him land his subsequent uh, jobs, uh, both at uh, Miami University of Ohio and with a high school hockey team. So not only do they know that this man was a predator, an abuser, uh, they said, hey, we're going to, we don't want you to, you know, to, you know, potentially make things, uh, you know, sticky for us down the road, uh, but we're going to help you get another job. I mean, that's just completely backwards. I cannot believe that. Um, Haley, what do you make of uh, the fact that, again, this, like, like we were discussing, this is not being investigated by the National Hockey League. Their silence on the story is deafening, regardless of the fact that the Stanley Cup playoffs are about to begin. You know, the NFL, you know, not to bring up a sore subject, but the NFL opened up an investigation into deflated footballs, uh, uh, you know, right before the Super Bowl. They didn't care. Um, so the fact that, uh, you know, there's a, a scandal uh, in the National Hockey League right before the Stanley Cup playoff, uh, finals are about to start, that shouldn't matter. This should be uh, investigated by the league. It's not being done. And again, we're learning that the Blackhawks very much enabled Brad Aldrich. Yeah, um, I'm just like, I mean, I'm fuming mad about this situation because I just feel like it is outrageous that so many people knew and not one person would have said something. And not only that, you allowed him to get another job by giving him a glowing review. You don't have to do that. You knew what he did. So the people who were victimized after these players are on Chicago Blackhawks personnel that gave him that review as well. 
I really don't care if they were involved in the actual act. They're still responsible because they said, you should hire this man. He's a great person. When in fact, he is a predator and probably a pedophile since he taught high school as well or coached high school as well. I just don't understand why the NHL has not said anything at this point. Like all it's doing is hurting. All it's doing is hurting the NHL. There's going to be fans who don't want to be fans whenever they don't get a statement about this. People who've been survivors themselves that hear something like this will not want to watch hockey because you're not speaking up for them. And you're basically telling these players that were victimized, it doesn't matter. Everybody knew and nobody cared enough to say anything for you or speak up for you. And I think it's absolute bullshit. And I think that, again, they're very courageous people for speaking up now at least then as well especially then but for it to come to light now as well and to have to sit here and not see it in the news and not see Chicago Blackhawks say anything not see the NHL say anything am I surprised not really because I feel like major sports um, you know NHL NFL really have not showed any compassion in this type of area like the Deshaun Watson story so I it's just so frustrating. Like I can't even form whole thoughts because it's just so maddening for, for survivors. And I feel like that it's one of the worst things you can do is to not say anything, to not do anything. Nobody cares. It's the Stanley cup playoffs and we're about to go into the finals. What I care about is what you're going to say and do for these people who are victimized by this person that was allowed to continue to victimize people do something about it yeah uh, very well said both of you but uh, and again it's we're going on a week and a half you know 10 days i believe uh, maybe longer since this story first kind of broke and it, that's more than enough time by now to have prepared even a cookie cutter pr friendly statement um saying that yeah, you know uh you know it's very unfortunate to uh, learn, uh, you know, of this story. We take the, uh, this very seriously, and we'll be looking into it. Uh, something like that takes ten minutes to write up, get approved, and released, and we've seen nothing. So it's yeah, it's just the silence from the league, from the Blackhawks, you know, from from both uh, sources. There is deafening, and as it comes, as it you know relates to the review, you know. I've been in a position uh, before where I was asked to provide a reference um, for, uh, you know, for a former employee uh, as they were looking for a new job. And it's very, very easy to let that, uh, that prospective employer know that this is not something that they should hire. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't bash people, you know, that's uh, kind of an unwritten rule, but uh, you know, and I was not, dealing with having to refer anyone who was a predator or, uh, or, or someone who uh, was involved in something serious like this. You know, I just had to, you know, give a, a reference for people who I thought they were lazy and didn't really like their work. Um, but you know, you, you pretty much just say, yeah, uh, you know, so-and-so Dave, uh, you know, worked here for two years. Uh, you know, he, he worked under me, you know, but when you leave things vague like that, uh, people are like, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, it seems like this, he's not willing to step up for, for this candidate. So to give Brad Aldrich a glowing endorsement, apparently, that's intentional. They, they meant to do what they could to land him another job. 
that just, uh, that blows me away. That, uh, that you knew of what he did and you actually went out of your way to help him get another job where he'd be around more athletes who he could prey on. That is the worst part of this story, I think. Uh, and there are some awful, awful components of this story. That might be the worst part, uh, is, is that part right there. So uh, the, the silence from the league and from the Blackhawks is deafening. Um, and again, I just, I think that they're trying to wait it out and see if people's outrage will die down. And I think it's important to continue to cover this story and dig up more facts about it. Uh, and so, and to make sure it doesn't go away because, uh, if it goes away, then you're just enabling another organization to do the same thing in the future. Uh, and that, that cannot be allowed. So again, if anyone would like to hear uh, us discuss this story in more depth, again, we we did do an entire episode. It is the the one that will be uh, has, is on our feed prior to this one. Uh, so you know, please listen to it and again. Share it with people who might not be familiar with the story. Uh, and uh, and if you have thoughts on the story in general, tweet at us at Snipe and Sally Pod on Twitter. Uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, just a very very disheartening, uh, disgusting case um, and uh, these allegations against the Chicago Blackhawks. But we are going to move on uh, and hopefully talk about some more lighthearted things. Um, and just as we referenced before, something that just makes zero sense to me, just seems dumb. And that has to do with fan conduct. You know, Lauren has talked before about how uh, fans conduct themselves on social media in really dumb ways. Uh, but now that we're back at games uh, and we have fans conducting themselves in really dumb ways to celebrate good things, just in the last week alone, we had the New York Islanders winning game six inside the Coliseum to force a game seven. Very exciting moment in what turned out to be, as we now know, the final game played in the Nassau Coliseum. And as a means of celebration, Islanders fans were throwing beer bottles and cans onto the ice, uh, like, like literally almost hitting a player. I think Cal Clutterbuck uh, started like gesturing up to the fans, like, what the hell are you doing? Like you're throwing objects at us like like we just won and even if we didn't just win why the hell are you throwing stuff at us uh you know just a few days later montreal uh you know beats las vegas in game six to advance to uh, the stanley cup final and as a means again of celebration you had full-on rioting in the streets of montreal fans destroying cop cars uh you know we still talk about the the riot that uh, Vancouver had uh, after losing to the Bruins in in 2011. Not that it's okay, but at least that was after a loss. Like at least they were destroying their city after losing. You have people destroying their city after winning and throwing stuff onto the ice. Make it make sense to me, Lauren. What do you think about fans uh, throwing stuff onto the ice, uh, destroying property? I mean, should it ever ever get that serious? No. No, it shouldn't. And I certainly can't make it make sense by any means. But my thing with the Islanders, you know, it's not, they're not throwing rally towels. They're not throwing their hats. They're throwing beer cans. Someone threw a shoe. That, that could legitimately hurt somebody. And that's my big issue with it. Like, I know you're excited. You guys have had every right to be excited. But you're throwing beer cans, shoes, you're throwing everything after a win. And like I said, it's not the rally towels. Like you don't want to throw your rally towels, go right ahead. But, you know, you saw Cal Clutterbuck swatting one away. It's not looking happy, but you know, it's just, it's just dumb, but it's, 
whatever. And then the riots, it's just, again, like you said, your team won. Um, celebrate, go hard in the streets, go party, go, you know, it's like go hug your strangers and jump on top of cars, but don't be flipping them over and don't be destroying property. It's just so bizarre. And I, like I said, I get they're excited. Both the, the Islanders and the Cabs fans certainly had every single right to be excited. And it's just so, I'm like, that's not how I celebrate in, in, in either way. Like I'll shotgun a beer, I'll do some shots, I'll, you know, I'll go party in the streets with my fellow fans, but I'm not going to be partaking in criminal behavior. Yeah. I mean, my God, like, you know, pop some bottles, go make out with a stranger, uh, like ha have, you know, some good old fashioned fun. Like, why are we destroying property? And, and like, uh, you had police responding in, in, in riot gear because like, these people are destroying their city. I mean, there's got to be a more constructive way. I get the, that Canadians fans specifically might be, feel a bit repressed because this is the first trip to the, the cup final in nearly three decades. Uh, but it's like, my God, what are you doing? I, I just, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, Haley, did you, did you see the end of the Islanders game uh, where people were literally like Lauren said, you know, it brings up the Austin Powers quote, who throws a shoe, honestly, like you have people throwing shoes, people throwing cans. Like it was actually dangerous. This wasn't the same as throwing caps on the ice for, uh, for a hat trick or rally towels. Like, like they were actually like, you know, the type of stuff that you see happen, uh, you know, you saw happen at Yankee stadium way back when, like uh, people throwing stuff onto the field, like it could, it could hurt a player. And then you have full on rioting. I mean, it just, what do you think about this? Can you make heads or tails of it? Well, it's just really stupid. Like first off the person that threw your shoe what are you doing now? You don't have a second shoe. Like you just have to leave that rink with one shoe. That's really stupid. Um, you know, I see it. It's happening so much in 2021 in all sports. And I don't understand it because watching soccer, I watch them throw water bottles and, and personal like cups, not just bottles at players and actually hit a player in the head, which is very dangerous. And so then you're going to do it in hockey as well. I just don't understand your mindset when it comes to, ooh, we won. Let's throw things at our own players. And yeah, maybe only one player was in, around or whatever, because I saw some of those arguments on social media as well. But it's still not okay. It's still just kind of a really dumb response to a win. And then as for writing, like Montreal, the last thing you want to be compared to is Philadelphia after the Eagles won the Super Bowl. And that's exactly what you did. So that's really just not classy and pretty terrible. I, I don't think I'd want to be compared to that. And uh, that's all it made me think of is we won. Let's completely destroy our city and, you know, go looting and get free stuff. And you still got a whole another series to go. So maybe y'all should chill out a little. Like the Islanders situation, you might have jinxed yourself. And that's why you didn't win the last game. So maybe act a little classier and your team might make it further. I mean, the, the, the low bar, the gold standard for awful fan behavior has to be Cleveland in 2016 and uh, <laughs> Philadelphia in 2018, where there were actual people who consumed eight horse excrement. Like that was documented. That happened at those parades. So, I mean, 
the Philadelphia police uh, putting Crisco on uh, on like uh, light posts so that people wouldn't be able to climb up them. I thought was actually a really brilliant move on their part. But it's like you have people who are like doing the most reckless things. It's like again, there are some, there are some very easy ways to celebrate. Um, you know, you know, you know, shower a buddy with uh, with champagne. Uh, you know, again, like there are some very fun ways to celebrate that do not involve like physically destroying property and climbing things and, uh, and, you know, getting into altercations with police. I do not get it. It's just, it's the weirdest thing. And like you mentioned too, Haley, we're seeing it like in, you know, in the NBA, you had a, a self-expand throw a water bottle at Kyrie Irving. Again, that, that could have been, that could have hit him. That, that's, that's dangerous. Stop throwing things onto a court, onto the ice at people it's just so weird, uh, not to mention dangerous. Like if you, if you bought a beverage, consume that beverage. Do not throw the, the, your, your garbage at people. Uh, it's just, it's the weirdest, weirdest thing. And I just, I do not understand it. And as it relates specifically to hockey, uh, like you said, Haley, maybe it, it jinxed the Islanders fans, or maybe they were just trying to have the Coliseum go out the way uh, it, it was always thought of, and that's a, as a literal dumpster. Uh, so you know, may, maybe that's uh, the, the reason why they were throwing garbage. But uh, yeah, Montreal, it would be very ironic to see you lose to Tampa Bay after, uh, after already doing a riot. What are they going to do when they lose? Like, that, uh, that's interesting. Uh, we'll, have to, we'll have to see what happens. On that note, we do want to finally discuss the series at hand, and that is the Stanley Cup final. The Montreal Canadiens, a team that probably should not have made the playoffs, maybe not, wouldn't have made the playoffs in a normal year. Uh, you know, they lost more than 50% of their regular season games, but they got in. That's all that matters. Uh, they, they took down the chokers that reside in Toronto. Uh, they made very quick work of the Winnipeg Jets. And then they took down a team that people thought may have been the second best team in the NHL this year in the Las Vegas Golden Knights all to take on one more heavy hitter in the defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning, who, as we've all covered, especially Lauren in this episode, uh, have tinkered very much with uh, the salary cap and kind of uh, altered things to, to have uh, more talent on their roster than they probably should have. Uh, and it has helped them get here. You know, again, all that matters is what you do once you get into the playoffs, but the Lightning certainly uh, have an advantage uh, due to you know, what they did with both Steven Stamkos and Nikita Kucherov with long-term injury reserve, but they're here now. And so we have game one, uh, as you're listening to this episode, game one will be this evening, Monday night to the 28th in Tampa. I want to, uh, I want to you know, discuss with my alignmates what they think of uh, how the, these last two, uh, these last two series um, uh, wrapped up with Vegas and, um, and the Islanders going down. I want to see uh, you know, what they think about these series. I want a prediction uh, on who's going to win. And uh, give me your Conn Smythe pick as well. Uh, you know, who do you think is going to wind up being uh, you know, the, the player who wins the Conn Smythe as the MVP of the entire Stanley Cup playoffs? Um, so, Lauren, I'll start with you. Um, you know, just you know, what are your thoughts on how these last two, uh, two series wrapped up and uh, your thoughts on, uh, on what's sure to be a very entertaining Stanley Cup final? Yeah, I mean, I said last week that it's going to be some of the most entertaining hockey that we've seen. And I think it still stands true. I don't think anybody really imagined the Habs getting past Vegas. And I mean, I, I, I had Tampa Bay. I was rooting for chaos just to have the Islanders because it would just be fun. But, you know, I, I think that 
Tampa Bay Islanders turned out how many thought it would and Habs just kind of shocked everyone. But I am just rooting for complete chaos in the Stanley Cup final. I would, I'm not rooting for Montreal, but um, I don't want Tampa Bay to win. <laughs> um, but it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. I know people are saying that Tampa Bay is going to wipe the floor with Montreal, but they said that about Vegas. They said that about Toronto. This team shouldn't really even shouldn't be here. So I think that's what makes them fun to, to follow for this series for sure. But I'm going to go, like I said, I'm rooting for chaos. So I'm going to go halves and six and I'm going to give Carey Price the con Smythe. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, yeah, Carey Price has had a killer postseason. He's had a great career, um, but you know, this is his first trip to the Stanley cup final. And you can definitely argue that he's one of the biggest reasons that they're there. Uh, you know, Cole Caulfield, uh, you know, leading rookies with nine points in the playoffs has been a shot in the arm for them as well. Uh, they've gotten timely scoring from, you know, Corey Perry of all people, Tyler Toffoli. Nick Suzuki has been a big postseason for him. So they've gotten a lot of great contributions, but Carey Price is certainly at the top of the list. And, you know, him shutting down a very high-powered, uh, you know, top-heavy but high-powered Vegas team uh, is, the, is the latest uh, for them. So I just, yeah, it, it's it's very, very it's interesting. Like, uh, uh, you know, as for myself, I just, I just can't believe that Montreal got here. Um, and I, as I said earlier, again, the very sight of that logo triggers me. Um, you know, I, I was not around for, for the, uh, the, the, the very heated, you know, eighties, uh, seventies and eighties matchups between these two uh, franchises, most often won by Montreal. Um, but uh, between Boston and Montreal, but I just, there were some very heated uh, playoff matchups between Boston and Montreal in, uh, in the 0304 season, again, in 0708, um, you know, most recently when the, in 2011, when the Bruins won the cup. And then uh, in 2014, uh, when Milan Lucic um, decided to say, try and fight the entire uh, Canadians roster in line and the handshake line after the series ended, um, you know, th th there are some very heated um uh, history, history between Boston and Montreal. So just as a Bruins fan, it's very difficult for me to root for them, despite how good of a story they are. You know, every time I think maybe it would be cool to see, uh, see them pull this off. I'm reminded that uh, Canadians fans tried to call Montreal police and get Zdeno Chara brought up on charges for uh, a hit on, <laughs> for a hit on, the, on their captain. I just like, it was a normal hockey hit uh, and I don't want to relitigate that, but uh, you know, the, the, the fact that uh, they tried to get a Bruins player arrested for a hockey hit um, is just the ultimate, uh, like, okay, I can't see this fan base win anything. Uh, so I'm, despite the, the, the faults for the Tampa Bay lightning, I am pulling for them in this series, but I don't feel good doing it, but it's just, it, it, it is crazy. I, I think that uh, the Tampa, I always expected them to come out on top over the Islanders, um, you know, despite, you know, how good of a run um, the, the Islanders had. Uh, Tampa just, you know, when they get on that power play, it's a cheat code. Um, and, you know, if Montreal takes penalties in this series, again, you know, they're going to make you pay uh, and they're, and they're going to have you fall, uh, fall behind. You know, Montreal seems like they, number one, if games go to overtime, Montreal's going to win. They like, they win pretty much every overtime game. I think they've lost once, uh, but I think they've won like, they have to have at least six or seven uh, games that they've won in overtime in the postseason. Like if it goes to overtime, Montreal's going to win. 
so uh, if you can avoid overtime, it's a good uh, good sign if you're uh, if you're Tampa. But it just seems like Montreal had this. They've been playing very aggressive this postseason. They've been making a lot of aggressive, uh, you know, end-to-end passes. They've gotten a lot of breakaways, a lot of odd man rushes. Like, things have bounced really well for them. And I wonder if that continues against a team like Tampa that's uh, got a ton of depth. Uh, You know, when you have Tyler Johnson playing on your fourth line, that's a guy teams would kill to have in their top six. He's playing on their fourth line. Uh, Like, it's we know why they have so much depth, but regardless of how they got it, they have it. Um, So, uh, you know, and listen, I've, I was kind of wrong about Andre Vasilevsky. I, you know, I, I kind of spoke on this podcast in the past thinking that you know, I'm not that high on Vasilevsky. He's really won me over. He's a tremendous goaltender. He is, uh, he's worth every penny that Tampa is paying him um, on that uh, circumvented salary cap. And uh, I, I just I think that if they were to win, he's going to be a huge reason why. That being said, I am going to give Braden Point uh, the con Smythe Braden point has had a absolutely tremendous postseason. He has 14 goals, these playoffs. Uh, you know, if Tampa is going to win this series, he's going to have at least three or four more. So we're talking about nearly 20 goals in a single postseason. He's the obvious choice, no matter how Vasilevsky plays. Uh, if Tampa wins the cup, it's going to be Braden point taking on the con Smythe. Um, and because of that, I am going to go Tampa in seven. I think that, that Montreal is going to still have some of that magic. Uh, I think they're going to extend this series. I think it goes all the way to a game seven in Tampa. We're going to have hockey in late July. I love it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think Tampa ultimately, um, I think they pull this off. They get their back-to-back cups. And then I swear the temporary truce is over with them. I will go back to hating them viscerally and hoping that they don't get to you know, circumvent the cap again next offseason and they have to deconstruct some of this roster and, uh, and all of its depth, and they take a huge step back next year. But as for now, I need them to win it because I just cannot stand to see Montreal as good of a story as they, they've been. I can't, uh, I can't see them win. Um, I will say that, again, Cole Caulfield, he's going to be the player who I, dis- I hate the fact that I have to hate. Like, I, I, he seems like a very easy player to love, but because he wears that uniform, I'm going to have to hate him for the next decade because, because he plays for that Canadiens franchise. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But I think that it's going to be an epic seven-game series. Uh, I think that it's going to be tremendous. And I think it'll be a great end to what's been a wacky uh, Stanley Cup playoffs. It certainly has been weird uh, to see. Uh, you know, again, Tampa's a team you probably expected to see here when the playoffs began. You would not have been surprised. I don't think anyone, I don't even think Habs fans said, oh yeah, you know, I think we can make a run this year. I, no one expected them to be here. And, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't sell them short, but I'm going to, because I just, I, I think that Tampa is, is too good. Um, and uh, this will be kind of their last hurrah before they have to, you know, break that bunch up. Hales, I'd love to go to you to kind of round out our Stanley Cup preview here. Again, just, you know, what did you make of the ending of Tampa and, uh, and New York? Um, you know, what did you think of, of Montreal taking down a team like Vegas that seemed like, you know, it seemed like they had it in the bag after, uh, after winning four straight against Colorado? And then, yeah, how do you think that this uh, Stanley Cup final shakes out? I think once again, any team that I root for is going to lose. So, like, kind of feel at fault for a lot of this. Even in a lot of the soccer games I've been watching, like, the teams I'm rooting for are losing. So, I really think I should not even participate in rooting for either team just in case. Let them, like, just let them uh, win on their own terms and not because I rooted for the other team. But uh, I hope they both lose. That's where I'm at with this uh, Stanley Cup. I don't want either to win. 
neither of them deserve it in my mind. And I know that it's going to be a great, I'm going to say seven games as well, but I just know it's going to be great hockey either way. As much as I dislike both teams, they're playing incredible. Tampa Bay, you know, obviously issues with them because one, I don't want to see them repeat. And two, I don't want to see a team that's towing the line on uh, the rules here and maybe finding some loopholes so that they can have more depth. And I just don't want to like reward a team for doing that. But I also don't want the Canadians to win. So I'm just like at a really weird spot in my hockey fandom where I'm like, you know, hockey's great and I love it and I want to watch it, but I'm just going to pretend that it's two other teams playing. So that way I don't have to go, you know, go Tampa Bay or go Habs. I don't want to do either of those. Um, regardless, it is going to be pretty incredible hockey. The Stanley Cup playoffs always are, but I think it's going to be pretty electric. So I feel like you do have a team that people expect to win and an underdog team. And when, if an underdog team wins, it's always pretty hectic, pretty exciting. Um, I do think it's going to be Tampa Bay, though, in the end. So I'm matching marks there with Tampa Bay in seven. As much as I dislike them, I think that they look pretty unstoppable. I was hoping the Islanders could pull it out even after throwing their shoes onto the ice, their fans, which is really dumb. I was really hoping they could pull it out, but I also wasn't expecting it to happen, unfortunately. As for the MVP stuff, it's so hard because I feel like I I never know in any sport who they're going to pick. And I'm watching the games. I'm seeing who the best player is. And sometimes it's not the person I think it should be. It's like a more well-known player, typically, who also played well, but maybe not as good as the other person. And so my hope is that it's the goalie. I have love for goalies. I just think it's such a stressful position and that would be pretty rewarding for them to not only win, but to win MVP as well. So I'm going to go with Vasilevsky on that just because I want him to, not because I necessarily think that he'll actually get it. Um, You could even see Hedman getting it a second time, which I don't want to either. No offense to Hedman. I just don't want to see them win twice or the same person win the, the trophy twice. Uh, yes, offense to Hedman because uh, he already okay. stole a, a Norris a nomination this year from Charlie McAvoy. Oh, okay. Deserve it. So, so yes, offense. Yeah, uh, he should not win uh, the Conn Smythe again. So, yeah, let's stop just giving Hedman things. Um, but, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, Vasilevsky, if Tampa were to win, he'd be very deserving. Um, I, I, like I said, I personally think it would probably be Braden Point unless he does nothing in this series. What would be just the ultimate slap in the face to hockey fans would get people very mad is if uh, somehow Nikita Kucherov uh, won the Conn Smythe. Like that would just be, people would just have their blood boiling. If uh, it's like the guy who was too injured, quote unquote, to play all season, uh, who, uh, you know, didn't have his, uh, his cap uh, charges uh, uh, count against uh, the cap. Uh, people would just be very agitated. I'd be very agitated if Nikita Kucherov won the Conn Smythe. So I don't think that he would, again, unless he just has an absolute killer series. Um, I think that it would probably be Braden Point. Um, but that just, yeah, please just yeah, do not allow that to happen. I would, I would blow a gasket. Um, but yeah, it just, it, listen, there's a lot of pressure on Montreal too, because, you know, they are the last team, you know, they've had a 28 year drought, uh, personally, uh, uh, for between Stanley cups and the entire country of Canada, they are the last, uh, they're the last Canadian team to do it as well. So, 
uh, all of Canada has a 28-year drought since, a, since they've won a Stanley Cup. It's been all American-based teams since then. And so, you know, they have all the pressure on them right now to be, you know, the team that, uh, that takes it home. I don't believe there's been a Canadian team in the Cup final since Vancouver in 2011. Um, uh, you know, someone can fact check me on that, but I'm pretty sure Vancouver was the last one. So it's been a while since a Canadian team even got there, um, you know, much less won one. So, you know, there's a little bit of pressure on them. I hope they don't fold under the pressure. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to pretend to be unbiased. Uh, so, uh, yeah, just listen, they've been on a magical run. Um, it, it is cool to see as a, as a pure hockey fan, even though it's a team that I don't like, it's cool to see an underdog um, continue to advance, even though the win over Toronto shouldn't count because, uh, you know, you knew that they were going to choke. They're Toronto. Actually, there was a story I saw today about a Canadians fan who put like a $45 bet on the Habs to win the, the Stanley Cup when they were down three games to one to Toronto. Uh, because he's like, oh, well, his rationale was it's the Leafs. They always lose. Uh, and as we know, they lost. And then Montreal's advanced in two series since then. So this guy bet $45 on the Habs to win the, the Cup. And if they do win, I think he stands to win like 10 grand. Not bad. Not bad investment. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we'll have, we'll have to see. I hope that guy does not end up $10,000 richer. Um, that's just me. But we'll have to see what happens. I think it's going to be a tremendous series. Uh, I think each game is going to live up to the hype. I mean, Montreal is going to make these games super competitive. They're going to uh, take a few off of, of Tampa. Um, but at the end of the day, I just think Tampa ends up surviving. Um, so we have Lauren with Habs and Six. Uh, with Carey Price taking home the Conn Smythe. Uh, we have both Haley and I with Lightning and Seven with um, not Nikita Kucherov, but uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Braden Point, respectively, taking home the Conn Smythe. So we'll have to see who comes closest. Um, we'd love to hear, if you're listening right now, we'd love to hear your Stanley Cup final prediction. So, you know, t- again, tweet at us, at Snipe and Selly Pod. Tell us who you think is going to win. Tell us who you think is going to win the Conn Smythe. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll see who comes closest. But that's going to do it for uh, tonight's episode. Um, so, you know, as you're listening to this, Stanley Cup final starts tonight. We hope that you're going to find a comfy place to watch, uh, you know, get a nice beverage or two, uh, you know, cooking up a nice meal, uh, you know, and sit in for some awesome hockey. So uh, I want to you know, get to each of my linemates for empty netters before we wrap up tonight's show. So Lauren, we'll start with you. Any closing thoughts to leave us with? Ah. Uh just be kind during the playoffs. It's, you know, both fan bases are hostile and passionate all in one. Um, stop getting mad at people. Like I said in the beginning for who they want to root for when they don't have a dog in this fight um, and get ready for some really fun hockey. Like I said earlier, it's going to be entertaining. And as you said, Mark, the Habs are going to make it competitive. It's, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think people will be surprised, but let's, let's have a good week of hockey. Good. Oh, maybe even like, three weeks of hockey. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it really will. And uh, I agree. Yeah. Just chill out on social. It's weird that we have to keep saying this. Uh, and again, you know, not everyone who listens to our show, I'm going to assume people who listen to our show are, are chill, cool people on social. Um, but you know, more people should listen to our show and then become cool, chill people on social. Cause yeah, it's just weird. Uh, you know, when you see, I see people, you know, Bruins fans uh, who, I don't follow very much of Bruins Twitter, um, but I do follow people who, uh, who I, I like their takes and I see them getting yelled at by people on, uh, on Twitter. They're like, uh, how dare you root for Montreal? I'm like, all right, I'm not rooting for Montreal because I hate them, but I understand the logic. And I, it's like, it's just weird. Don't, don't like, 
get angry at people for how they choose to, to watch sports. It's very, it's entertainment. It's supposed to be fun at the end of the day. It, you know, go outside, uh, you know, go get some fresh air, stop yelling at people uh, when you're, you know, at NYI fan 69, 69, 420 with, uh, you know, Cal Clutterbuck as your profile picture. Uh, prime Barzal season 75. Like it's always these people with like anonymous Twitter accounts who do it too. So yeah, just chill out. Like Lauren said, uh, Hales, how about yourself An empty netter for us? Any closing thoughts as we wrap up the show? So it was the swimmer you were thinking it was <laughs> Mark that he was helping. It was uh, Ryan Lochte that he was helping. I guess there was a story about um, Ryan saying that Phelps helped him through a really tough time and helped him train for the Tokyo Olympics. So I didn't actually go through and read the articles. Um, I just remember hearing about it on TV while watching some of the Olympic trials. And so, yeah, it's the player or the swimmer that you don't like that he helped <laughs> for this time. You're welcome. Well, well, you know, hopefully he spends more time winning gold and less time pretending that he was getting mugged in, uh, in Brazil um, like, uh, like he did last Olympics, uh, like, uh, and you know, less time on, on reality TV, like, you know, just win gold for us, Ryan. Okay. Uh, maybe I won't call you a douche again. Um, but, uh, yeah, good for Phelps for, you know, being a, a nice guy and helping someone who was definitely a rival, uh, at one time. Uh, again, I still think he could win Olympic gold if he, uh, got in the pool today. I think he's that good. Um, but, uh, yeah, excited for the Olympics. As for myself, uh, again, I'm just, I'm very, very excited for uh, the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, disappointed that hockey season is, uh, you know, getting close to an end, but that will not be the end for us at Snipe and Selly. Uh, you know, we will be covering the start of free agency, um, you know, towards the end of July. Uh, we'll be streaming for the expansion draft. And I think before we go on our off-season break, I think I want to do another fun episode. Um, and we'll start, uh, you know, my line mates and I will start tossing around some ideas. You know, we did our ugly jersey episode uh, at the end of last season. Unfortunately, that episode is, uh, has been lost. You cannot hear it. Maybe we do something like that again. Maybe we, we try and revive that, that topic. Um, you know, we did our agitators and enforcers uh, draft. That was a lot of fun. So we'll, we'll try and find a fun topic uh, after like the wave of, of free agency and trades um, and, you know, to kind of wrap up before. Uh, we go on our, our hiatus, but uh, yeah, still a few more episodes of Snipe and Sally to look forward to before uh, we part ways for the, the summer. But that is going to do it for us. So uh, again, I want to go to each of my line mates and have them let our listeners know where they can be found online. So Lauren, uh, we'll start with you first. Uh, where else can our listeners find your great work and where else can they maybe listen to you? You can find me Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at la 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 Lauren, three laws and then Lauren with four R's. You can find all of the written coverage I do on Nesson.com, as well as uh, we do the Nesson Bruins podcast. We are right now on a little bit of a break, but we do return July 13th, I believe, um, with some more expansion draft previews, off-season previews. So we have a lot on deck for you. And you can also hear me on the Stealing Second pod, which is right here on FTF Media. And obviously here's Snipe and Sully. And I think that's it. I do have a, an exciting announcement coming next week that I'm going to tease right now. So that's look out for that friends. Ooh. Okay. Not even we know about this yet. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I yeah. just found out like very, very recently and I was waiting for all the loose ends to be tied up before I jinxed myself. So Ooh, we are excited to hear, uh, hear Lauren's <laughs> special announcement. Yeah, definitely give Lauren a follow um, on social and like, 
when she's covering the Bruins and then uh, now baseball season with, uh, with the Red Sox, I mean, like the game ends and like 30 seconds later, you have a recap from Lauren. Like, like she, she types like Usain Bolt, uh, I, I assume. Uh, so, you know, she does great stuff for Nesson. Uh, we love having her on this show. So give her a follow everywhere. Um, and, uh, and we love you, Lauren. Hales, how about yourself? Where can all of our listeners find you online? Where else can they listen to you? So you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CSI Haley on TikTok at CSI Haley 91. You can also hear me and follow along on two shows that I co-host, which is Fierce and Flawed at Fierce and Flawed on Twitter, Fierce and Flawed Pod on Instagram and Gridiron Girls, which is Girls Gridiron on Twitter and Gridiron Girls Pod on Instagram. Make sure you're following at For the Fans Media on all social media platforms. We pretty much have just tried to be on as much as we can. So Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, you know, make sure you're catching those live streams and make sure that you are checking out forthefansmedia.com so that you can read awesome articles by all of our people included and video blogs from people like my own mom. And of course, you can go to each separate podcast page and make sure that you subscribe to all of our shows. Yes, please do. Uh, please do. And again, follow, follow Haley on all these different platforms. Uh, we love Haley and all the amazing stuff that she does for FTF Media. It would not be the same without all of her contributions. And since we are getting towards July, uh, the next FTF Fully Baked with Haley's mom has a video that I am personally very, very excited for. Cannot wait to learn how to make this, uh, this particular item. Uh, so I'm waiting like with eager anticipation. I'm probably going to watch the video myself before it's published so I can get a head start. Um, but uh, as for myself, I can be found on Twitter at Mark Pacelli 13 That is P-I-S-E-L-L-I. I can also be heard on views from the rafters. We actually are, we're back. Our NBA podcast, we just uh, dropped another episode this week, um, you know, basically making fun of the process being over in Philadelphia. Um, so if you're a Philadelphia 76ers fan or no one, maybe avoid that episode. Well, actually maybe just hate listen to it. Um, and, uh, and, you know, uh, then listen to future episodes where we're not bashing the 76ers. Uh, I can also be heard on NerdPod as well as on Fierce and Flawed with Haley. And like she said, please check out ForTheFansMedia.com and check us out on all social. Give us a follow. Um, some tremendous, tremendous content, uh, you know, very diverse content, stuff that appeals to pretty much anyone, no matter what your interests are. So uh, give us a follow. We're trying to do some big things here. But that's going to do it for us on tonight's episode of Snipe and Selly. By the next time we get to you, the Stanley Cup final might be close to being over, might be over, who knows? Um, but, uh, you know, we'll see if we can uh, get one more, uh, you know, series coverage in uh, episode in before uh, you know, the hockey season comes to an end. But until the next time we all get together, enjoy the action on the ice, everybody. Have a good one. Thank you.